We're going we're gonna to talk about the kingdom of God part two. Um, yeah. Cool. So they're going out. We're going to get into the word. Father, we thank you for today. Lord, we thank you for what you are doing. And we, Lord, our hearts echo. Lord, glorify your name. It is your kingdom come. It is your will be done. Lord, we simply say glorify your name. Glorify your name in our lives. Glorify your name in this place. Glorify your name in this city. Glorify your name in this region. Lord, we say glorify your name. And the people said? Amen. Amen. You know, that's the, the key, isn't it? To give God all the glory in everything, in all things, to give Him the glory. That is so important because, you know, I just keep singing that chorus that we sing sometimes, you're worthy of it all. You're worthy of it all, for from you are all things. To you are all things, you deserve the glory. I mean, it's, it's true. You're worthy of it all. You're worthy of it all. Okay, so I've got three points this morning. And a really short introduction. If you weren't here last week, make sure you get on, just you can get on Spotify, you can get on Apple Podcasts, you can get on our website and you can listen because some of what I'm saying today will make better sense if you listened to last week, probably. I started a series on the kingdom of God because that's what the Lord has been speaking to me about as He's told me to come up higher and to listen to Him. And You know, because in John 3.3 it says, unless we're born again, we cannot see the kingdom. Born again from above. And there are some sections of church and, and life and stuff that, you know, do, do not believe you have to be born again. Well, that is just totally wrong. You have to be born again. But we're not born again as in terms of I'm trying to go back into my mother's womb again. We're born again from above. We are born of the Spirit. And our place is in heavenly places. Amen? We're born again. The government is upon the shoulders of Jesus. He is the King of kings. The government is upon His shoulders. He is called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting. Like, he, the government is upon His shoulders. Amen? You know, um, the kingdom of heaven is not eating and drinking. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Amen? Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And it says in Hebrews 12 that whilst this, the, the kingdom of this world can be shaken, we belong to a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And, you know, and we are increasingly seeing that in the nations, that the kingdoms of this world are being shaken, but we need to take heart because we belong to a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Is there an amen to that? We do not have to worry what is, what, what, what is coming in the future. We, you do not have to worry. You have to keep your eyes fixed upon Jesus. You don't have to worry. Because if God can feed His children in the desert with fresh manna every day, He can do it again today. There are so many people that get crippled with fear and anxiety about stuff. But we've got to know God. And we've got to know that He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If He's done it before, He can do it again. I've seen you move, you move the mountains, and I believe you're going to do it again. 
He fed his people. He led his people. He looked after his people. He healed his people. He protected his people. And he will do it again. And it is my heart in these days that we will understand the, the dynamics of the kingdom of God because we are going to live victorious. Maybe you need to speak that over your, over your own life. I am going to live victorious in Christ. I, I, okay, that wasn't very convincing, was it? I'm going to live victorious in Christ. Oh, come on, we need to say it once more. I'm going to live victorious in Christ. Yes, because that's who you are. But thanks be to God because he gives us the victory. Where, O oh, death, is your sting? Where, O oh, grave, is your victory? But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory. In every circumstance. And God wants to encourage us because we will be forcefully advancing. I love one of the things, this is my last point from the, from the um, intro, Liz, was... I'm referring to my in-law, you know, cause, cause, because we're related. And she loves me reminding her of that. Don't you, Liz? Hey, I love the story of Rees Howes in Africa when one of those plagues was wiping out. And I've mentioned this before. But this is a truth that we have to grab a hold of. There was, you know, millions of people were dying in the early 1900s through one of the plagues or flus or whatever was going on. And the Lord said to Rees Howes, not one person on your property that I have given you will die from this plague. Not one. And his wife, it's funny, isn't it? His wife got so sick that she was almost on death's bed. But he said, Lord, you said not one. And she got resurrected and there was not one. But more than that, people were flocking to the property, even witch doctors were coming and flocking because they go, we need to know this God of yours because we're all dying and you are prospering. You know, we, we need to grab a hold of that because that is the kingdom of God right there. That is a manifestation of the kingdom. Where the king is exalted, the kingdom will manifest. God said not one. It is my prayer that in the midst of what happens around us in the nations, that we will be prospering and living in such a way that people will come running and say, I need to know this God of yours because we are dying, but you are prospering. The light shines in the darkness. We need not be afraid of darkness because we are a people of light. Right, first point. The enemy will always try to make us work for what we already have in the kingdom of God. The enemy will always try to get you to work for something that you've already got because that's what he does. Just think about the church in Galatia who... As a Gentile church, they'd received the Holy Spirit. They'd received the promise of the Holy Spirit. And Paul has to come to them, and this is what he says in chapter 3. He says, you foolish Galatians. Wow, that's pretty like. How would we go with Paul sometimes? If Paul came in amongst us, how would we go? Like, you foolish people, what are you doing? Like, oh, you just offended me, like. So, anyway, so, you know, but he, he, he like really speaks, doesn't he? Anyway, 
Who has cast a spell on you? Who has bewitched you? Before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly betrayed as crucified? I only want to learn this from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning by the Spirit, why, are, why have you now reverted to the flesh? Wow, doesn't that speak? After beginning by the Spirit, why have you now reverted to the flesh? Did you experience so much for nothing, if in fact it was for nothing? So then does God give you the Spirit and work miracles among you by your doing the works of the law, or is it by believing what you heard? It's believing, isn't it? That we, Jesus said something and we believe it. The Word of God says something and we believe it. That's what it is. We're not working for it. We already have it. If you think about that verse in Romans 14, verse 17, that says the kingdom of heaven is, is not eating and drinking, but it's righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Ghost or in the Holy Spirit. Let's just think about those three things for a minute. The enemy wants to make you work for righteousness. But you already are, according to Paul in 2 Corinthians 5.21, you are the righteousness of God in Christ. And so we get stuck in this try-harder Christianity. I've got to try harder. I've got to work harder. I've got to do more. And, I'm, and, and every time I don't measure up, I feel like I'm a failure. But you are the righteousness of God in Christ. We're not trying to obtain righteousness. That's why Jesus had to come, because the law couldn't do that. As much as the people of Israel tried to live for God, they couldn't do it. So he said, let me do it for you. Not only am I going to give my son that you will be the righteousness of God in Christ, but I will give you of myself. I will give you my spirit, and I will put my spirit in you, and I will move you to follow me. We don't have to work for it. We just have to learn to live from it. Joy. The world says, I was at a breakfast during the, during the week supporting chaplaincy, and one of the things was says, do something that makes you happy. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't do something. Like, I, I love going to the beach, so I'm in this afternoon. Going to the beach makes me happy. But that's not the joy of the Lord, because it's circumstantial. If something's not right, if you're in the wrong place, something's wrong, you know, you lose it. That's, that's not joy. That's not the joy of the kingdom. It's not circumstantial. The enemy will try to make us work for these things. But the truth is in Psalm 16, verse 11, in your presence is fullness of joy. When you are connected to Christ, because you've heard me say before, when Nehemiah said, the joy of the Lord is your strength, that Hebrew word is only used once in the entire Scriptures, and it means to be joined to the Lord is your strength. The joy comes from being joined. The enemy will want to separate you from remaining, dwelling, abiding in Christ so that you lose your joy. But the truth is that if we learn to live from The joy will be there. 
even in the midst of stuff, there'll still be that inner joy. Because things we go through can be like a fleeting breath compared to eternity. What about peace? I've got to get more peace. I've got to do some things that's going to, that's going to get me more peace. I've lost my peace. Where's my peace gone? Where has it gone? We read in Scripture, in Philippians chapter 4, Rejoice in the Lord. You see, everything starts in the Lord, doesn't it? Everything starts in the Lord, in the Lord, in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. When you are in the Lord, you find it easier to rejoice. The problem is that we're not like we don't remain and dwell and stay in that place, so we try to conjure it up. But if we learn to live from it, we will have a peace. We'll have a joy. Rejoice in the Lord. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your graciousness or your gentleness be known to everyone, for the Lord is near. Wow. He's near. Do not worry about anything. But in everything, through prayer and petition with thanksgiving... Present your request to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We have peace. Not only have we been reconciled to God and we have peace, but we carry peace. Because Jesus is peace. And in the midst of a circumstance, that same peace can guard our heart and our mind. And people can say to us, I do not understand how you can have peace in this circumstance. I do not understand how you can have this peace. We could talk about all kinds of things today, couldn't we? We could talk about healing. Steve spoke briefly about that a couple of weeks ago. That by his stripes we are healed. He took on all our diseases and our afflictions. The truth is that Jesus came to give us abundant life. That does not mean that we don't go through stuff. That scripture does not mean that. But it means in the midst of that, that we go through it with peace and joy and hope and people look at us and go, how on earth can you go through that with that in your heart? The abundance in John 10.10 is not just a one-off thing. He continues, it's a theme in Scripture. Look at Romans 15.13. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you believe, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Spirit. Overflowing. Overflowing, abundance. In Luke chapter 6, it talks about, um, Luke puts it this way. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. 
as I, the imagery for me, and I've said this before, is like my mum's ginger beer. When I was a little boy, pressed down, shaken together, pop! In fact, a friend of mine on Facebook, well, not a friend, but an acquaintance on Facebook who lives in Tasmania, made himself some ginger beer. And, and, he, and he put this video on. Whatever happened to the ginger beer, it did go pop. He used old Bundaberg ginger beer bottles and he was putting his own homemade ginger beer in there and he went into this laundry after he heard smashing and the glass was all over. There were shards of glass stuck in the plaster. That's how much it went pop. Like you wouldn't want to be in that room with the glass flying around everywhere, would you? It was an absolute mess. But that's the imagery, pressed down, shaken together, overflowing. That's our life in Christ. But the enemy will always make us think that we, do, that we don't have it. We've got to work harder for it. You know, something's wrong. No, 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 we have to learn to live from what Christ has done for us. Is there an amen? The second point this morning. In the kingdom of God, we are in the love between the Father and the Son. What a beautiful picture. We are caught in the love between the Father and the Son. Colossians chapter 1. For this reason, since the day I heard, I have not stopped praying for you. We are asking that you may be filled with all the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding so that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the saints' inheritance in the light. For He has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and He has transferred us or brought us into the kingdom of His Son whom He loves. Wow. This is a big thing for our church in our nation. If we could grab a hold of that concept, that we were once in the kingdom of darkness, but we have been rescued and we have been transferred into the kingdom of His Son, His beloved, whom He loves. I'm loved. You are loved. End of story. You are loved. Did you have a bad morning this morning? You still loved. Have you had a bad week? Have you got an issue somewhere? You still loved. You are loved. You know, I, I get strange things out of movies sometimes. And the Smurfs movie is one of the things I got something out of. Because the, 
what's the girl's one? Smurfette. She was dream, being drawn back into the kingdom of darkness. And the other Smurfs thought that they'd lost her back to darkness. And Papa Smurf says this. He said, we haven't lost her. He said, she didn't change and then we loved her. We loved her and then she changed. Do we get that? We didn't. We didn't. She didn't change and then we loved her. We loved her. And so she changed. If we can get a revelation, if you can get a revelation, and I think it's a progressive thing, <laughs> that you are loved, even on your worst days, even in your crappy moments, if you can get a revelation that you're still loved, you, you will be changed. We are in Christ. We are in the beloved. Ephesians 1, 5 to 6 says, he, predest he predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ for himself, according to, his good uh, to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he has lavished on us in the beloved. Do you understand that you're caught in between the love from the Father to the Son? One person. You are caught in the love between the Father and the Son. Read Song of Songs, Song of Solomon again, and you'll see so much stuff. What about this one? It talks about the verse 15 before about the little foxes that try to ruin the vineyard of love. But then it says this in verse 16. My beloved is mine, and I am his. His banner over me is love. Hmm. That's pretty cool. You know, the enemy will try to do anything he can to shift you from the knowledge that you are loved. Because then, then you'll start to have to try to work for it again, rather than living from it. And to be honest, even if we have the best of the best of the best of parents in our upbringing, there still is a measure of conditional love. Even if we've got the best parents, there still has been a measure of conditional love. And we need to be reprogrammed to the fact that God's love never stops, never ceases, never runs dry. Is unconditional. It's his agape love. It's sacrificial. He made the first move. That's why it says in 1 Peter 4, 8, above all, love each other deeply, for love covers a multitude of sins. It's not a condoning. Love is, we've got to understand this in the context, it's not a condoning of. I think that's what we, we misinterpret. If, if I love Kathy in the midst of what she's doing, then it's like I'm condoning. 
We have to separate that out from our thinking. Not that she's doing anything. Sorry. Just clarify that. It's whoever sits in the front row gets the, gets the go. Above all else, love each other deeply, for love covers a multitude of sin. You know, the moments where, where, where I have seen the greatest change in my heart and in my life is that when I have encountered the goodness of God. When someone has shown me the goodness of God in spite of how I've treated them, in spite of what I have you know, done or said or whatever the case is, it is in those moments where, I, where they have shown me the goodness of God that I get convicted and I am changed. That's why the goodness and the kindness of God leads people to repentance. Because that's what happens. We, we see God for who He is. We see, we see Him in His goodness and His love. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit is just is like doing something in us. I want to encourage us to spend time in Scripture Read passages in Romans 8. Nothing can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ. No principality, no power, no life, no death. You know, nothing can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ because that's where you're positioned. So in the kingdom, we are caught in the love between the Father, caught up in the love between the Father and the Son. Is there an amen? It's like... Sometimes it's good to visualize it, isn't it? Yeah? Can I have you three Roberts for a minute, please? Steve's going to represent the father. Julie's going to represent the son. Sorry, you're going to have to get in the middle of them. Sorry. And your arms of love are outstretched. And you are caught in the middle of the love of the Father to the Son. Oh! Woo! That's your position. That's, that's your position right there. Oh, Carolee's had enough, I think. She wants to... That's, that, that's your position. Frame that. Visualize that. Remember that. That's your position. Jesus has done it all. It's all been done, and that is your position. And the enemy will try to get you to work for something that you've already got. Rather than just learn to live from it. Isn't God so good? And the last point this morning. As a son, remember women, you're, you're a son. You have authority, you have inheritance. As a son in the kingdom, you have authority. This is my last point today. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples of nations. There is a transference of that authority to go and make disciples of nations. To teach them, to follow Jesus, to baptize them, to disciple them. In Luke chapter 10, when he sent out the 72, and he said, you know, go out, preach the kingdom, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse out those, you know, cleanse those 
people with leprosy, cast out demons, and they come back. And they're just amazed that even the demons submit to them in the name of Jesus. And he said, and, and the Lord said, I saw Satan fall like lightning. And he, and he reminds them, don't get carried away. Just remember that your name is written. The most important thing is that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. But he says, the enemy has power, but you have authority. And in Matthew 16, when Jesus says that he will build his church and the gates of hell shall not prevail, all these passages and more show us the fact that we are, we are a people who are on the offensive taking ground. What happened in the Garden of Eden before the fall when he said, be fruitful, increase, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, that was in the natural, is the same in the spiritual. Amen? Yep. That's what he said to Adam and Eve. Have lots of babies, lots of kids, raise them up, more kids, more kids, fill the earth, increase, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, occupy it until I come. Not just hold on, take ground, occupy, advance. It's, it's now spiritual. When Jesus said, go and make disciples of nations, he was saying the same thing that the Father said to Adam and Eve. Go, multiply, fill the earth, make disciples of nations, subdue it. Much of the church has either been caught in the four walls or others have been so scared of what, the, what is happening in the world that they just don't understand the authority that they have. We take the blinkers off. We get back into Scripture to recognize what Christ has done for us and what we are called to do. We have a mandate to see his kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, why not start in Bundaberg? We have a mandate to see his kingdom come and his will be done in Bundaberg as it is in heaven. Is there an amen to that? And we have the backing of the king for it to happen. The king has made a decree. Make disciples of nations. You have my authority. You are my ambassadors. Go. But I want to finish with this. Well, nearly finish with this. I'm convinced. I, I, I haven't read this anywhere. It's just something that popped into my spirit when I was praying into this week. I'm convinced, so I had to write it down. The authority that he has given us over cities and regions is not being fully realized because we have not learnt to steward it in our own lives. I'm going to say that again. The authority that he has given us over cities and regions is not being fully realized because we have not learned to steward it in our own lives first. You have to learn to steward the authority that you've been given in your own life if you're going to start to steward what God wants to do in this city and this region. Let me unpack that a little bit. The battlefield is in your mind. You've heard me speak about this before. In 2, in, in 2 Corinthians 10, 
Paul says, although we live in the flesh, we do not wage war according to the flesh. Amen? Since the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but, <coughs> excuse me, but they are powerful through God for the demolition of strongholds. We demolish arguments and every proud thing that is raised up against the knowledge of God and we take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. The strong, you can't pull strongholds down in regions if you, if you haven't taken authority over the strongholds in your mind. God doesn't love me. I'm going down the garden eating worms. Not the worms from Israel that are scarlet. They've got a part to play. You know? No, I'm not going to do that, God. Unforgive. I can't forgive anybody. There's no way I can forgive them people. Whatever the, you know, this situation will never change. I give up. I might as well give up. I've had enough. Whatever the, whatever's going on, you read a verse of Scripture. Nah, nah, that's not... That'll, that'll never happen today. Whatever the battle is that's going on in here, if you listen to it long enough, it becomes a stronghold. When something comes in, when the enemy comes in and says, see, you've been rejected again, just like you've always been rejected. You need to take that every thought captive and you need to go, no, I am not rejected, I am accepted in the beloved. And I walk from a position of acceptance. Rejection has no part of me, I am an overcomer and I will walk in acceptance. But if you listen to, I'm rejected, I'm rejected, they rejected me, he's rejected me, I'm rejected, it becomes a stronghold. I'm using that as an example. We can't deal with the strongholds in the land if you can't deal with the strongholds that are in your mind. And Paul is saying you need to take every thought captive and you need to make it obedient to. This is not some new age philosophy. This is not some worldly thinking. This is the truth that we believe the Word of God. Did, it, did we receive the Spirit through works of the law or by, or by believing what we heard? Believing what we heard. So we need to actually get back to a place where we believe what we hear in Scripture and we grab a hold of it. And when any thought comes in that is contrary to that, we grab a hold of it and say, you have no part of me because I am. In Ephesians 6, when it talks about, when Paul said, put on the armor, we put it on. Be strengthened in the Lord, in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, authorities, cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil spiritual forces in the heavens. So he goes on to talk about the belt of truth buckled around your weight, the breastplate of righteousness, your feet sanded with the gospel of peace, the shield of faith the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, and praying in the Spirit at all times. He says to put on. This is not a religious thing where we put on. This is truths of what God has done for you, you are to walk in. So the breastplate of righteousness, what does is, what is the breastplate guard? Guards your heart predominantly. 
vital organs. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. What you could not do for yourself, God did for you, and He made you righteous, and He has put His Spirit in you. So you are, to, to put on the armor of God is, is, is not saying, Lord, I put on the breastplate of righteousness. It is saying, I am the righteousness of God in Christ, and I am walking in it. And you don't lose that when you go to bed of a night time. Now, sometimes, you know, we need to reaffirm some things. That I am this. But, you know, I've encouraged our advanced group to go home for the next two weeks and to write out the seven parts of the armour. And then start to go through Scripture and start to see the Bible verses that directly relate to the different points of the armour. That is an awesome study to do. Because then not, not, not just will you be saying, you know, thank you for the breastplate of righteousness, but you will be quoting Scripture after Scripture after Scripture after Scripture about the righteousness of God that you are. You will not just be putting on the belt of truth, but you'll be, but you'll be you know, but you will be standing in it. You know, you're not just going to wield the sword, you know, but you're going to know the Word of God and you're going to use the Word of God in every circumstance that you need to. Are we going okay? God wants to encourage us to take authority over the strongholds in our own minds so that we can take hold of the strongholds that are in this land. Amen. The music team, you, you, you want to come up? I'll leave a couple of things to another week. It says in Romans chapter 8, it says, For all those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. Amen? For we did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. You see, the Spirit of God will not lead you into fear. The Spirit of God will not lead you into lack. The Spirit of God will not lead you into these things. The Spirit of God will lead you into freedom, not fear. Do not receive the Spirit that caused you to go back into slavery again. Instead, you have received the Spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. And if we are God's children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. I want to encourage you this morning. I've referenced to this before, but there's so much truth in it. In Psalm 23, you know, Psalm 23 is often used at funerals, isn't it? Who's been to a funeral that's had Psalm 23 in it? Yeah, most of us. The Lord is my shepherd, I have what I need. But this is the kingdom. This is the kingdom of God. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Do we grab a hold of that truth? Do we grab a hold of that principle? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He causes me to lie down in green pastures, green, symbolic of abundance, life, hope. He leads me beside still waters. He renews my life and He leads me along the paths of righteousness. Oh, 
Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Even when you go through something, the King has you. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness, love and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That psalm is the kingdom of God right there. You have been brought into Psalm 23. I want you to go away and meditate on it. Don't just read it like it's read at a funeral, but I want you to meditate on it because it is a psalm of the kingdom. Oh, God, we want to thank you for what you are doing. We thank you that it's about you. It's about your kingdom. We thank you, God, that you are awakening us to further truths. I want to thank you for my brothers and sisters here today. God, I pray for them as I pray for myself, oh God, that we would, that we would have a revelation of everything that you've done for us and all that we are in Christ that we would walk in the fullness of life, the fullness of blessing, and the fullness of authority. Because, Lord, we know it is in your heart for this region to be changed. So, God, we say, Lord, change us, that we would then change this city. Change our thinking. Change it. Break the strongholds in us, O oh God, in our thinking, that we would see the strongholds in this city be broken for your glory. And above all, Help us to realize that you love us. That we are caught in between the love of the Father and of the Son. And the people said, Next Sunday, Liz is speaking. The team will be in Alice. Pray for us as we'll pray for you. Next Sunday, Sunday week, will be Jin Jin. Don't forget the baptisms at 3 o'clock. Thank you to everyone who just gives. Hey, serving team, look, they're already setting up morning tea, which is kind of like a early lunch. Oh, yep. Thank you. Let's speak the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's speak the name of Jesus. Oh.